0: Hi, right, welcome to MMA on the Rocks, episode number 32. Today is Sunday, January 22nd, back to the regular day of recording here. The last couple of weeks have been a little confusing because events have been on different days and things like that, but we had a, an exciting weekend of WWE, I mean uh, MMA, sorry, a little Freudian slip there, and uh, I'm joined by Jeff the Animal Wilson to help uh, break down this Bellator 170 card that took place last night out in Inglewood, California. How you feeling, Jeff?
1: I am feeling a little sore cuz I started training jiu-jitsu again, but uh, I'm feeling a lot better than Chell Sonnen is on this Sunday. <laughs> so,
0: and I think you're definitely feeling better than uh, Brandon Ward is. I don't know. Did you catch that fight too?
1: Oh, yeah, dude, that fight delivered, man. Yeah. I feel bad.
0: On paper, that was that was the most exciting fight on the entire card. So, what were you, what was your first impression of this Bellator card overall?
1: um besides the tito ortiz and chill Sonnen main event i wasn't super excited but after watching the first fight i got super excited because the first fight really delivered uh the two Dereks fought each other
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and then the second fight was a snooze the third fight was a snooze and then um who was it paul daly yeah and uh brendan ward brendan ward uh woke me up again
0: yeah uh yeah but overall i enjoyed the card thought it was good yeah the card see bellator took a, a few steps back in my opinion after this card and I, i've been a, a bellator advocate for a long time i really think that it, it's healthy and important for the ufc to have some competition and i felt like bellator was making a lot of the right moves with a lot of the fighters they were signing um but in terms of being a uh, a credible mma promotion they definitely took a few huge leaps backwards yesterday there was uh, definitely problems with the actual running of the event so the the timing was way off and they had just too many fights on the card they had 18 fights on that card which you know what are you doing you got you got 25 fighters on your roster why how do you even have 18 fights <laughs> in one night You know, It it was just way too many, and I was trying to watch the prelims, and all the fights were out of order on the website, so it was hard to tell who was fighting when, and then the prelims that I really wanted to see got pushed uh, past the main event, and then when the main event was over, there was no more broadcast, so Spike shut the event off, and Bellator's website was no longer streaming. So that was kind of a problem. And then the actual production of the event, it was just dragging out so much. They had so much time in between fights. It seemed like something was disorganized there. Maybe uh, the lineup got mixed up. Um, but, you know, something that you wouldn't expect from such a big company uh, that's done so many events and done them well. You wouldn't expect the timing to be so far off. And then just little things like. Uh, Bringing in Chris Daughtry to sing the national anthem before the main event, I thought was very awkward, and kind yeah, of yeah,
1: that all looks weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, no real MMA fan gives a shit about Chris Daughtry, uh, so I, I don't know if that's just a ploy to bring in uh, more fans. Uh, but I mean, people who listen to Chris Daughtry, are, I don't really think want to watch a cage fight either, so. I don't really get that. And it was very obvious that Bellator was, and it may not be Bellator the company, it may be Viacom, which for those who don't know is the company that owns Spike TV and owns Bellator. So Viacom is a huge, huge company. And you could kind of tell the marketing strategy last night because there were so many celebrities in the audience who were clearly paid to be there and they were also paid to tweet about being there because if you looked through the tweets that were coming from people who were at the event they were very cookie cutter and they were definitely written by a digital marketing agency um, so I, I don't really like that stuff it, it's it's a little leaning a little bit too much towards the entertainment side and I get it it does have to be sports entertainment but uh, it was just a little bit too much for my taste and I think for a lot of hardcore fans, they might feel the same way, and a lot of people were really confused by Chris Daughtry and and uh, everything like that, and the pace of the event. If you're used to watching MMA a lot, you could definitely tell that the pace was off. But um, yeah, so just just a little bit a little bit of a hot mess from Bellator, but some things that did go well, they did get a lot of attention. Uh, obviously, they had all those celebrities in attendance that were tweeting about being there that does get them some positive media. And then there was great buildup for this fight. Uh, You know, Chael and Tito sold the fight. So uh, I'm sure their ratings are going to do probably between 3 and 4 million views, I would imagine. Um, I think the record for an MMA fight is somewhere in the 6 millions. Uh, And I think either Kimbo Slice did that or it was when Ken Shamrock fought. Gracie. Uh, but a little bit of controversy from last night. So, a lot of people seem to think that the main event was a quote unquote work. Now, for those of you who are not pro wrestling fans, uh, obviously pro wrestling is fake. It's complete entertainment, there's no actual fighting going on. Those guys are incredible athletes, but they're not actually in competition. The matches are scripted and their moves are choreographed, uh, and they call it a work. As opposed to a shoot, which would be an actual fight, which is what MMA is supposed to be. So the the fight ended very quickly, which is not a huge surprise. Chael Sonnen got tapped out, which is not a huge surprise either. I think he's been tapped out 13 times in his career, so he definitely has, you know, submission defense is definitely his, his biggest weakness, and it always it always has been. That's just how, the way his career has gone. But... Um, there were some kind of funny things that went on during that fight like when Chael had the front headlock and he was going for a darce choke and you kind of see Tito kind of subtly tap Chael's glove and all of a sudden Chael changes position and basically just rolls over onto his back um, into a very lazy arm and guillotine that Tito just kind of waited out and hopped over, mounted Chael easily uh, and then took his back and he tapped him with more of a neck crank than a rear naked choke and it it was definitely uncomfortable i think in my experience i I don't know about you jeff but in my experience the neck crank can be more painful than the choke sometimes because when people get the choke in it just feels like you're getting choked but sometimes when they get that neck crank and you get a really strong guy and he's got his arm across your jaw and if you if you bite down on your mouthpiece the wrong way, it feels like your jaw is going to explode inside your head. Have you ever felt that?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I can remember some of the big guys we've trained with, and uh, when they get you in that rear naked choke, they just crush your face, and it it's just really uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, and you could tell you could tell he was very uncomfortable. His face was turning purple, uh, and he wasn't defending properly. He wasn't going for Tito's wrists, but Um, you know, you can chalk that up to he hasn't been in a cage in three years and he doesn't have very good submission defense. His whole game plan is to try and stay on top at all times and, you know, he didn't. So, uh, definitely some suspect things. Uh, I can definitely see why someone would think this fight was a work. Chael is... um, More so on the sports entertainment side, especially now, but he always has been. I mean, when he was in the UFC, he was basically playing the part of the bad guy um, like a pro wrestler. He was a heel. That was his whole gimmick. That's how he talked his way into title fights um, because people wanted to see him fight. He was basically doing Conor McGregor before Conor McGregor was a superstar. So Chael kind of... You know, took that page out of the WWE playbook. And, um, you know, the the things that he says to sell fights, he's very clearly just, you know, playing playing a part. He's acting. He's So it's not too much of a stretch to believe that this was a setup. And it's not like Bellator hasn't been accused of this before. Obviously, when um, Ken Shamrock fought Kimbo Slice, a lot of people... Thought that fight was choreographed uh, when Hoist Gracie fought Ken Shamrock. A lot of the same accusations there. Um, I don't know. I it, it's hard to it's hard to say, and I, I hate to say it too, but as much as I hate the fact that if it was a work, I, I hate that as a fan of mixed martial arts. But it is good for Bellator because it gets people talking, and. You know it gets people going back and watching and writing articles and that will be good for them because then their pr metrics will be higher and they'll get more sponsors and they'll make more money so they'll be able to pay fighters even more so overall it's a good thing but it really makes me cringe at the thought that a fight could be staged uh what are your thoughts on all this jeff did you notice any of these things while you're watching the fight did you think this fight could possibly be a work And do you think that's good or bad for the sport?
1: Yeah. um, I really noticed that Darce grip uh, comment you made about uh, Tito tapping Chael's gloves. Yeah. And then he just switches grip. I mean, it looked like he could have sunk that um, Darce choke in deeper and probably won with it uh, because the setup was really good. Yeah. And it, it looked like on top, Chael Sonnen was was a better wrestler, but I mean, once he got on his back, and I mean, yeah, Tito Ortiz has a mean uh, ground and bound. He's got a good top game, but Chael Sonnen is also a high level wrestler, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and clearly, when Tito went for his first takedown, Chael rolled him right over and got on top. Yep. So it's not like it's not like Chael Sonnen hasn't been here before. Mm-hmm. Uh so the whole thing was really strange to me. Um I really wasn't excited by that main event. I also didn't like that after when uh the ref tried to break up um Tito Ortiz's choke he he held on to it longer than he should have.
0: Right, that's a good point. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. And he even said in the post fight press conference um He's like, I didn't want to believe it was over. He started making up some bullshit story, and then he, w- then he just came out and admitted he was like, you know, I have ill will towards this guy. He said stuff about my family, so it's like, okay, you basically just admitted that you, you held a choke longer than you should have, and, and you're an asshole.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really the only way to put it, man. Like that was a dick move. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, we usually let leave stuff like that to Rusmir Palharis. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I mean that that's definitely his his M um, O. For for those of you who don't know, Rusmir Palharis has been kicked out of several um, fight organizations for holding on to submissions too long. Have you ever seen the the Joe Lozon video of him breaking down um, Paul Harris's uh, submissions? I have not. He he basically takes six of his submissions and he, he puts a timer on and he tells you exactly how long he held it too long and then he shows six of his own fights and, and shows how quickly he lets go when a guy taps out. And the, the ending of the video is, so basically Paul Harris is a dick. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) which which is a fair conclusion. But he goes through like this whole scientific explanation, and and then the result is like so. Basically, he's a dick. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't I don't want to believe that uh, this could happen. But um, you know, given the the marketing background and and understanding PR and how to build a business and things like that. Um, it, it definitely could have happened and Chael Sonnen is kind of the, the person, the perfect person to pull it off. It it could have been a work without Tito Ortiz even knowing it was a work, you know? Uh, so he, he may not have even been in on it. So Chael could have thrown the fight and kind of let Tito choke him out. But, you know, at at the same time, there are plenty of arguments, um, that go the other way too. You know, as I mentioned, Chael has been tapped out many times and the, the mental game kind of gets to him a little bit. He's admitted that where, uh, he gets psyched out and he'll, he'll escape a submission a thousand times in the gym. But when it comes to, um, you know, a marquee fight, he gets in his own head and he ends up getting tapped out. So, uh, who really knows at the end of the day, but, uh, Tito Ortiz is gone now, so we'll never have to worry about it again. Uh, I don't see him returning and fighting, uh, especially the considering that he's 42. Um, And if if this fight, whether or not this fight was fixed, I don't think it affects Chael Sonnen's career. I think he's definitely going to continue fighting. He has a six fight deal with Bellator, so this was only the first fight on it, and. Uh, even coming off a loss, I think he still has the name recognition that keeps selling fights. He has a big grudge with Vanderlei Silva that he wants to settle because they coached against each other on The Ultimate Fighter and then they never got to fight because, uh, they, because of USADA. They, they were two of the first ones that started getting tested by them and the infamous incident of Vanderlei Silva running away from the USADA agent. Trying to test him and getting banned for life from MMA and, and that whole mess. Um,
1: Dude, I can just picture. I'm sorry I do start laughing. But I can just picture <laughs> no, it's funny. Vanderlei Silva running away with his dick in his hand. Like, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well, just. it's just a funny image.
0: Actually, that, that's not too far off because I've heard Chell talk about it. He said he was training. Uh, at the MGM Grand, and this was when USADA first came around, so the fighters didn't really know what it was, and this guy basically like pulled him in a closet and told him to take his dick out, and um, luckily it was USADA. (laughs) He's he's like, this guy guy pulled me in a janitor's closet, he made me strip down naked, and uh, he started sticking needles in me. (laughs) And and I asked him for identification, and he refused. Now, I don't know how how much that story is embellished, but Imagine somebody trying to do that to to Vanderlei Silva who doesn't have the greatest English <laughs> and they're trying to force him into a closet and take his pants off i I would imagine he he did go running
1: yeah that dude that's just funny, so there's still a chance that Chael sudden got pricked by a complete stranger, yeah like yeah. unconfirmed unconfirmed well, it, if that was actually a USADA agent
0: yeah they're well except that he tested he did test positive so. Maybe that stranger was also a good Samaritan and they, they they turned over the blood sample too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he did I think he faced a two year suspension for that and um it was kind of a strange situation because he was technically still under contract with the UFC and then all of a sudden um you know a couple of years go by and he, he shows up with Bellator. But um I think there's definitely a lot of marketing that can be done. I think I don't want to say one way or the other whether or not that fight was fake. Um, I I don't want to believe it. There is a lot of evidence that suggests it was, and it definitely makes sense, but I don't want to say one way or the other. I think the way to tell is if Fedor comes back and beats Matt Mitrione convincingly, uh, then Bellator's staging fights. Um, Because... Yeah? Yeah, I I think so. Because... uh, I mean, you saw Fedor's last fight uh, against you know a guy who who's just been like a mid-level guy, and he almost he almost killed him, and that the decision had to be <laughs> overturned because um, you know it was a fucked up decision. But um, yeah, I mean, Mitriona is one of the top heavyweights in the world, I think, right now still. And if Fedor comes in and just smokes him, uh, that's a that's a red flag. And I think that'll be the way to tell that, that they're uh, they're setting up main events here and they're trying to, to uh, pull a fast one. But I don't know. I, you know, may just be conspiracy theories. It, it, it's easy to jump on board with something once the idea is in your head and it's easy to run with it. Um, so, you know, let's not get carried away. And I also don't want to take away from the other um, really great fights that were on his card like the co-main event with paul daly and brendan ward which was an awesome fight uh even before the finish it it looked like brendan ward was kind of controlling or brendan ward sorry was controlling the fight uh he did use his wrestling he's a high level wrestler he did use his wrestling very well to mix things up and threw in a couple of takedowns on paul daly even though he said he wasn't going to and he was really controlling the stand up too he landed some Hard shots on Daly, a couple of jabs. It looks like, uh, looks like Daly may have uh, lost a step uh, from you know the last few times that I've seen him fight. Anyway, and uh, then Brendan had him clinched up against the cage, and Daly came with that spinning elbow and that that flying gazelle knee from <laughs> three miles away uh, that landed and and sent Ward out on the canvas. It, it was really one of the most spectacular finishes, uh, knockout finishes anyway, uh, in MMA, not just in Bellator, but it was really amazing how far away he was and how precisely he was able to land that knee. And, um, so what was your reaction to this fight and to the finish, Jeff?
1: Yeah. Uh, the fight started off really well. It, It looked like things were going good for Brennan Ward. And then Paul Daly just came out of nowhere with that flying knee from the depths of hell. Yeah um it it was awesome fight i really didn't know too much about these guys until you told me that it was going to be a slugfest Mm -hmm. and um even in uh, in the walkout the bellator announcers were saying you know if you're a fan of the craft of mma and the technicality of it yeah and you know the precision of the techniques this fight is not for you
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, that's accurate well, in Brendan Ward's Brandon Ward's last fight was the fight against Saad Awad where he was holding uh, Saad Awad against the cage. And Awad said to him, like, are you going to wrestle or are you going to fucking fight me or so- something like that? And Brendan Ward let him go and they just started swinging at each other and uh, Ward knocked him out. Uh, and then Paul Daly is, is a notorious striker. He's got a ton of knockouts. He was probably most famous for getting kicked out of the UFC. I don't know if you remember this. Um, He fought Josh Koscheck In his last fight in the UFC And Koscheck held him down for three rounds And was talking shit in his ear The the entire fight And at the end of the third round Koscheck lets him up And Paul Daly goes across the ring And punched him in the face uh, After the fight was over So Dana White freaked out And he said Paul Daly will never fight In the UFC again And he went out and he went on a tear And he, he put together a fight resume that would have gotten people a lot of people back into the UFC but um yeah he's he's banned for life so I guess Dana um, meant what he said and there were there were rumors that that Koschek was coming over to Bellator but he's on like a 50 fight losing streak so I don't know if that's the best idea <laughs> for him <laughs> to get in there with Paul Daly but um, yeah so Paul Daly oh. one of the most uh, dynamic strikers in MMA right now and like I said it looked like he had lost a step uh, in the beginning of that fight but maybe he was just wasn't loose or you know didn't have a good warm up or something or he was just you know daring headlights a little bit but that knee was spectacular the way he just jumped across the cage and landed it perfectly and uh, Brendan Ward had to be I keep saying Brendan but it's actually Brennan and uh, he had to be taken out on a stretcher and taken to the hospital and he had a huge deep gash on his cheek. Uh, I don't know if you saw the post uh, pictures of that, but it was pretty gruesome. And uh, something else that was gruesome was the performance in the fight before that between Hisaki Kato and Halek Gracie. Um, Did you catch this one, Jeff?
1: No, and thank goodness I did not.
0: Yeah, you're better off. Literally nothing happened the entire fight. Uh, Halek came out and threw a couple of push kicks, and that was it. They just basically looked at each other for two rounds. Uh, Cato landed a couple of shots on Gracie, and at the end of the third round, Halleck Gracie was able to mount him, but um, you know he just wasn't attacking. And here's here's the story with Halleck Gracie. He started the Metamoris grappling competitions and supposedly just went bankrupt and wasn't even able to pay some of the fighters who competed in it it was it was um, it was kind of fucked up because these fighters, you know, competed and went out there and, and participated in this grappling event and they didn't get paid. Uh, so the rumor is that he's only fighting to get himself out of bankruptcy. He hasn't fought professionally since 2010. So seven year layoff, and then they just stick him in there. Uh, He he has no business fighting at this level. Uh, Hopefully, Bellator paid him enough to pay off his debt, and he won't have to get back in the cage anytime soon. Uh, Any reaction to that fight at all, Jeff?
1: No, like I said, um, I only caught the end of it, like maybe the last minute, and it was just uh, Hisaki Kato laying on uh, Gracie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I missed much.
0: No, you didn't. Um, the The prelims were actually were actually pretty good, um, and this was the first time I ever tried to tune into Bellator prelims. Uh, mostly because, like we talked about last week, because our our uh, friend of the show, Colleen Schneider, was making her Bellator debut on the prelims. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see her fight because of the timing issues Bellator had last night. Her fight was pushed to take place after the main event and that's when the broadcast was cut off and i couldn't find video of it streaming anywhere she did win the fight she won by uh, anaconda choke in the first round and nice we should talk about the fact that she did miss weight and i'm going to defend her uh not because <laughs> she's been gracious enough to be on the podcast and because she's a friend of the show, but it, it was kind of a fucked up situation that she was put in. So Bellator only has two weight classes really. They have for the women. They have 145 pounds, 125 pounds. So when she signed right. with Bellator, she had to pick one or the other. She fights at 135 uh, most rec- for most of her career. She had fi- fought at 125 earlier, but uh, she signed on as a flyweight. At 125 pounds, and that's uh, what she was supposed to fight at last night. And two weeks before her fight, her opponent pulled out. Uh, they replaced her opponent with someone who was willing to fight at 135 pounds. So Colleen stopped cutting weight. And, you know, once you stop cutting weight, that it's a slippery slope. She was trying to, you know, get back up to 135. Then that opponent pulled out, and they replaced that person with someone who is at 125 again and she refused to have a catch weight and colleen came in uh subsequently four pounds heavy at the weigh-ins but uh usually i'm pretty hard on people who miss weight but you know it's kind of a tricky situation because she thought that she was fighting at two different weights so I i say we give her a pass what do you think jeff
1: yeah dude uh she ended up switching opponents pretty last minute. And that, that's a huge jump, man, 20 pounds between weight classes. You can't blame her for that. Yeah. She gets a, a buy for that one.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully they do start adding more uh, weight divisions for the women. And I've I've been an advocate for a long time of the UFC adding 125-pound uh, division as well because it, some of these, these gaps are too huge. I mean, it's either 115 or 135 in the UFC, and now they've added 145, even though they have 235-pound fighters fighting for the 145 title. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Another fight that kind of stuck out on the prelims, uh, Chinzo Machida. So, Leona Machida's younger brother fought uh, Jamaro Campo. Older. Oh, that's right. Older brother. You are correct. I think he's younger because he's because he's little. He's I think he fights at one forty five. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, he, he's so smaller guy.
0: Yeah, um, but he doesn't have. So he's thirty nine years old, which is old for MMA. But he doesn't really have many miles on him. He's only had seven fights, and uh, he got dominated for the first two rounds of this fight, and he came back in the third round and was able to knock this guy out. Uh, towards the end of the third round. So, definitely no quit in this guy. Uh, he definitely doesn't fight like his brother. He's a lot more explosive, and a lot more aggressive. And I think he's really exciting. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Bellator should uh, take advantage of having a fighter like that on their roster. I think there's some kind of drama right now with their 145 pound title. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I know it is. It is rather tied up. And uh, the only other fight I want to touch on, which also took place during the prelims, uh, Kevin Casey fought Keith Berry. And the broadcasters did a good job of pointing out uh, issues with the new scoring. So uh, we've talked about this before, Jeff, how they're starting to use 10-8 rounds a lot more now. And what basically what was a 10-8 round before is now going to be a 10-7 round. So if you basically control the entire round and dominate your opponent, you're, you're pretty much guaranteed a 10-8 right now. So uh, the idea behind that, though, is if you dominate a first round and you get a 10-8 and then you lose the second two rounds, you're going to see a lot of draws, and that's what happened in the Kevin Casey-Keith Berry fight. Kevin Casey completely dominated Keith Berry. He got the 10-8 in the first round, but then Keith Berry showed amazing cardio, came back, and uh, he was able to edge out the second two rounds, so that fight went to a draw. Uh, what are your thoughts on the change in the scoring? And do you think this is going to lead to a lot more draws, or do you think it's going to be better in the long run?
1: The 10-8 rounds, I'm not a big fan of. I feel like it's going to be uh, a bit of a chaos in terms of there's going to be more draws. Mm -hmm. And as an MMA fan, I don't want to see that I want to see a winner and a loser Uh, I didn't get to see Kevin Casey's fight last night But, you know He's a big muscular dude So he's going to run out of cardio fast Sure. And I feel like That's a little unfair to his opponent Because if you won two rounds As opposed to your opponent winning one round Then you should win the fight Because you won more rounds Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The fact that it was a draw because one round Was so lopsided, I don't agree with that
0: yeah, he was actually the first person to go to a draw in both Bellator and UFC. So a little, little interesting fun fact there about Kevin Casey. Um, but speaking about draws and deciding a clear winner and a loser, it was announced last week that there will be a rematch between Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Tyron Woodley, who fought to a draw at UFC 205 in November. So... Uh, They're going to get it on again. Uh, What are your thoughts about, do you think this is the right move for the division? And how do you think the second fight's going to go?
1: Demi Maya has worked his butt off getting a number one contender spot. And he's being overlooked Mm -hmm. because he doesn't speak English that well. And he's more of a grappler than a striker. So I feel like in the UFC, if you're too much of a grappler, um, you're a little bit doomed. Because the UFC deems you, I guess, as boring. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's anyway. Moving on, uh, I'm excited for this fight. I would like to see Demi and Maya get a toe shot, but I'm excited for this fight um, because the last time out, I mean, it was it was hard to pick a winner, you know. And it was such an entertaining fight, you know. Seeing Wonder Boy not give up when he hit, when he was in a really tight and deep guillotine. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing Tyrone Woodley go down a few times, but you know, keep fighting. It was fun, man. So it's it. Good for them that they get to do it again. Maybe we can have a clear cut winner this time.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think I think the reason that um, you know it sucks for Damian Maya, especially because you know he, he's a little bit older, so you know the clock's running out for him to become the champion. But I think the fact that it was a draw, uh, you, you have to you have to run this one back because you know we didn't we didn't really have a winner. So and. Um, you know, Tyron Woodley was complaining and saying he's disrespected as a champion. He doesn't make as much money. And he was going on and on. But it, it's like, you know, the judges made a decision. You didn't defend the title. So just go out there and beat the guy. If you want to be respected, then, you know, go and, and win the fight. Because you didn't win it last time. Uh, a lot of people either thought, you know, Woodley won or it was a draw. I scored it as a draw, uh, even though he was completely dominant in that that uh fourth round which you know it should have been which wasn't even a 10-8 on some of the judges scorecards which is absurd and this was before the rule change it still should have been a 10-8 after the rule change it should have been a 10-7 so if that same fight takes place now i would have scored that round a a 10-7 for woodley and and he would have won uh anyway but um you know just go in and finish the fight if you want to be respected And yeah so that's exciting the other thing we didn't touch on last week that i forgot to bring up is that the coaches for the new season of the ultimate fighter were announced as cody garbrandt the current bantamweight champion and his former teammate tj dillashaw uh what are your thoughts on this announcement jeff had you heard about it and what's your reaction
1: it's bittersweet because One, I'm excited to see them coach against each other. You know, we've had all the drama of TJ leaving Team Alpha Male under their noses. Um, Dwayne Bang Ludwig kind of stealing him away from that camp. Mm -hmm. But also, I feel like I'm getting blue-balled here, Bill, because (laughs) I wanted this fight to happen sooner rather than later. But, of course, you know, the UFC, and good for them, great marketing, they're going to milk this rivalry, man. Uh, So good for them. They're doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, I really think that this could be a revival for the Ultimate Fighter because, I I mean, you know, it just got a little dry. And I think it got to be a little bit oversaturated. And a lot of people were talking about this, how when the first Ultimate Fighter came out, it was a big deal because, you know, the UFC was still only doing five events a year at the time. So when you got a dose of MMA once a week, uh, that was awesome. I remember watching that season and and getting so hooked on it. And I think for a lot of people, it made them fans um, because it it humanized a lot of these guys. Uh, You know, a lot of people might have been of the opinion that they're all just barbarians that get in a cage and beat each other's brains out. But you get to see a little bit of the backstory and a little bit of the drama. And it it hooks people in. And... uh, and then you get—it's like any reality television show, except the guys actually fight at the end of the episode. So it it, it beats the hell out of any reality show. For me, I would still rather watch that over <clears throat> any other form of reality TV. Um, but you know, it just—it did get to be a little bit too much, especially when the UFC started doing—you know—one and two events a month. I think they're up to fifty-three events for the year, something like that. Uh, So that's including all the fight nights and everything like that. So throw an Ultimate Fighter on top of that. And it's a lot to keep up with, especially if you follow other sports or you have a job or a family or (laughs) any of the above. Uh, It's definitely a lot of content, but I think this will be good to reinvigorate the Ultimate Fighter. And it seems like an interesting season too because they're bringing back guys who had previously been on the show and they're also bringing in one current UFC welterweight who's I guess currently under contract but he's going to compete on the show as well so it's going to be welterweights um, coached by TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt and I think it'll be pretty good any uh, any thoughts on the added information there
1: yeah I'm excited man uh, I, I like how you're approaching it how it's going to be a revival for the ultimate fighter and yeah you know Aside from the new fighters coming in, uh, you know, I want to see what happens between the camps, you know. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun to watch. It's Like you said, it's like a reality TV show, but, you know, everybody gets to fight at the end. So, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, something else that will be fun to watch is the card next week, which uh, we broke down on the last episode. So if you want to hear our thoughts on some of these fights... Go back and listen to episode 31. So it's a fight night in Denver that's headlined by Valentina Shevchenko and Juliana Pena, which should be a title eliminator for the women's bantamweight division. And then, of course, Cowboy Cerrone, Jorge Mastodal, Andrei Orlovsky, and Francis Ngannou should be an awesome fight. Alex Caceres and Jason Knight. uh, Sam Alvey and Nate Marquardt. And uh, the sleeper fight on the card, which I don't know. I don't remember if we touched on or not. But uh, it's just the second fight on the card, which is kind of amazing to me. Rafael Assuncao is fighting Aljamain Sterling. Um, and I, I don't understand why this is so low down on the card. Maybe it's going to be like the Fight Pass pr- premier fight or you know what, what they've been doing to build up the Fight Pass, uh, fight pass platform. But w- what are your thoughts on this fight, Jeff?
1: Oh, it's gonna be a barn burner, man. Halfon uh, su- assumes out. I believe he won his last fight after having lost to T.J. Dillashaw um, and Aljamain Ster- Sterling. Always a fun fighter to watch, the Funk Master. Um, yeah. And both both of these guys are top ten, so this could have future title implications for one of these guys.
0: Yeah, I think Aljamain Sterling's right on the cusp of the top ten. He might be number eleven or twelve. Uh, Asantao actually hasn't fought since losing to TJ Dillashaw, but uh, you know before that, he was on quite a tear, a seven-fight win streak, I believe. So um, yeah, I think it's a really exciting fight. Um, Aljamain Sterling's 12-1. and one. I think he's a really strong prospect. He comes out of Matt Serra's gym out in Long Island. Uh, he did lose his last fight to Brian Caraway, but it, it was a split decision, and it was a really, really close fight. And obviously, Brian uh kind of a top contender himself. Um, so, something else I wanted to tell you about, Jeff, today. I went to uh, my favorite brewery in the area this morning, Barley Mow, which uh, you had a chance to visit while you were down here in Florida a couple of weeks ago. And they had their new spring ale on draft, and they also had six packs there. So it's called the Huntsman, and it's a red hoppy ale. So I'm, I'm a big fan of red ales. I was a big uh, Killian's drinker in my, my teenage <laughs> years. <laughs> uh, there was a, a local bar in my hometown. And they, they had Killian's on draft, and I remember it, it not tasting like any other beer I've ever had at the time. So uh, I, would, I would equate the Huntsman to like a crisp Killian's, Definitely has more of a uh, craft taste to it. So uh, I was I liked it so much I picked up a six pack to go. But the the reason I wanted to bring this up is I got this cool new thing and my sister sent me this for Christmas and it's called. Are you familiar with Yeti coolers, Jeff? I I am not. I know I've heard of them, but I don't actually
1: know what they are.
0: Yeah, so pretty popular coolers uh, lately. It's a company out of Austin, Texas, I think, and they're. They're becoming famous because they make coolers that are you know defy science basically. So you can <laughs> you can put you can put stuff in this cooler and pack it with ice and the ice won't melt for like three years or something. Or maybe it's three days and I'm exaggerating, but it, it's a really long time. So my sister sent me this thing that Yeti makes, it's called a, a Colster. So it's basically like a koozie. So you put your can of beer in it and then there's like a, a cap that you kind of screw over the top, and it vacuum seals it, and I shit you not, the beer is just as cold on the last sip as it is on the first sip. I can't explain the science of it to you, but this thing keeps your beer really fucking cold, and it amazes me. Now, I'm not one that's known for letting my beer get warm in the first place, but, you know, if it's a hot day, or you're like out at the beach, or like out fishing or out kayaking, like I do a lot, uh, you know, the beer warms up a lot quicker. So I, I put it to the test I took it out kayaking and, uh, took it out on the beach and the beer does not get warm in this thing. And I wish I could explain the science a little bit better, but at the same time I have cold beer, so I'm too happy to investigate it any further. So, uh, if you have a chance and you drink beer out of the can a lot, I definitely recommend picking up a Yeti Colster because these things are awesome. They also make like the tumblers and I've, I've talked to other people who have those and they'll leave ice water in their hot car all day and uh, come back to it after a day of work or something. Like if they forget it in their car and there's still ice water in the tumbler, like the ice doesn't melt, the water stays cold. Um, So these things are pretty cool. So I guess more of a more of a product plug than than a beer plug. But uh, ha- have you been sipping on anything interesting lately, Jeff? Uh,
1: I, I you know I've been taking it easy on it, man. I'm trying to lose some weight, so yeah, I hear you. You know, beer beer has a lot of calories. But um, I'll be heading out to see a friend of mine fight in Pennsylvania, and I'll probably be drinking a lot out there. So
0: okay, you want to plug that show?
1: What do you mean? oh like the show that I'm going to
0: yeah yeah um i'll try
1: i uh, I have to work that day I'll try to get there early and uh i'll uh I'll break down some of the fights for you if I get any good seats
0: yeah definitely what's the what's the venue or what's the organization um, do you know
1: it's called p a cage fighting it's a local organization um and a friend of mine his name's Melvis I don't know if you met him while you were up here training uh
0: I um, don't think so. Um, so it's uh, out out in Pennsylvania where about yeah
1: uh, give me one second. it's in it's in a casino I forget the name of it exactly um, might be mohegan Sun no it's smaller than that uh, it's gonna be in Wilkes barre Pennsylvania I don't know
0: oh, okay yeah Wilkesbury Pennsylvania I'm very familiar with that area uh, so. yeah so
1: so uh, the guy Melvis uh, he's gonna
0: be. In the
1: main event, actually. Um, so I'm going to try and get there early. I'll probably spend the weekend out there. Uh, I think it'll be a nice little getaway. Um, but yeah, I'll break down some of the fights for you if I can see them. Awesome, uh, yeah. Hopefully, Yeah, hopefully I have some decent seats. Um, and I'll tell you what I'm drinking out there. I'm probably going to take some uh, Magic Hat
0: down there. Yeah, not a bad look. Um, that's Yingling Country out there, too. Yeah. Um. So, uh nothing wrong with a yingling every now and then. Yeah, I do like a nice yingling now that you mention it. I'm starting to get cravings now. But yeah, so that's awesome. So that's pretty close to Scranton, Pennsylvania. So if you live in that area and you're looking to see some MMA, what's the date of that show again, Jeff?
1: It's February 17th. It's going to be a Friday night. should be fun.
0: All right, Friday night, February 17th. It's awesome to see a lot of these uh, local shows popping up. I was actually watching a Titan FC event On UFC Fight Pass last night after uh, I finished watching the Bellator card a local guy from uh, Tampa was fighting on that card and and he picked up a victory it was cool it's um, very small it reminded me of like the old school UFC Fight Nights when they used to do them in the middle of the week in the the tiny little arenas Uh, so it gives you like that throwback feel and then the, the guys are super hungry so the fights are usually pretty good well, they had uh, Kamara Usman from The Ultimate Fighter doing commentary on it, and uh, he was he was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. So we got uh, Fight Night on Fox next week, Fight Night twenty three from Denver, Colorado. So we'll be breaking that one down. Uh, anything else you want to get off your chest, Jeff?
1: Uh, Just one thing that I came across on Twitter the other day. Um, Rafael dos Anjos, after uh, having lost his 155-pound belt to Eddie Alvarez, and I believe he lost his last fight to uh,
0: Tony Ferguson.
1: Yeah, to Tony Ferguson. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he has decided to move up to 170 pounds and try his luck as a welterweight.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cowboy Sarni's got to be like, fuck, can't get away from this guy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, but who knows, man? I mean, Cowboy's been looking awesome at 170, so we'll yeah, have
0: to wait and see. That's true. Um, I don't know if it makes sense to put on a number three between those two, but uh, Cowboy's already looking past Jorge Masvidal, which may be a mistake, but uh, I think he's already got his sights set on Damian Maya. He really wants to fight him, which uh, I think is a might be a bad matchup for for Damian Maya, um, but. You know, because Cerrone's a black belt, and he's got some of the best Muay Thai in the division. But, yeah, so what do you think about Dos Anjos moving up in weight?
1: I think it's a good move, man. I mean, he's a muscular dude, so sometimes making 155 may get complicated for him.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: good for him, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, if he's having rough I, weight cuts. I know he's had trouble making weight in the past, and yeah. he get, he's definitely gotten a lot bigger, and then... It's always harder to lose weight uh, when you're older. So probably a good move for him. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, So we covered Bellator. I I did run a poll on Twitter. Uh, I asked if you guys thought uh, if the Tito Chael fight was fixed. And 59% of you said yes. And the rest of you said no. So whatever side of the fence you're on, I always love to hear everybody's opinions on it. If you have any new information, please feel free to share it. If you have any new and interesting drink recipes or, or beers uh, you want us to check out, definitely let us know that because we're always looking for recommendations. So let us know what you're thinking and drinking. You can uh, get in touch with Jeff on Twitter at animal underscore Wilson. And as always, you can reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at MMA on the rocks, or you can go to MMA on the If you're listening anywhere else, You can catch this show on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, or any other podcast app. Uh, If you're not on it, then shoot me a line and let me know I should be on it. And if you're digging the show, please, please leave us a review and some feedback and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.